listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? I want to rock. Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where we talk rock and roll all night and podcast every day. We are your hosts, John Otney. And Colin Westman. And Colin, you know what I don't give a fuck about? What? Do you want to take a guess? Uh, oh, pro- uh, probably an Oxford comma. I don't give a fuck about an Oxford comma. I didn't even know what it was until the band we're talking about today. But now I know to not give a fuck about it. Of course, that band is Vampire Weekend. Just released their fourth album. And their first album in six years? That's six a long years. time, man. Yeah. And we thought this would be a good opportunity to delve into their discography. Because I feel like Vampire Weekend is a band we've talked about a lot. We've written about a lot on our blog. We've seen live. We've experienced. We were there from from basically the beginning. <laughs> we were like their, their first fans. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so I think we're going to go album by album and then lead up to the uh, the new one, which is already um, won like, universal praise from most most outlets. I think Rolling Stone gave like a four and a half. And what's going to be interesting is I don't really know how I feel about it yet. It's only been out for three days. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a lot to take in too. It's a little different from their other albums and I'm not sure if I like that. I'm I'm, I'm even wondering if Vampire Weekend is a band that I'm still interested in, Mm. which I think we'll explore as we get into that. Um, But first let's get into why we why we fell for this band in the first place. As a young girl Louis Vuitton With your mother So 2008 First Vampire Weekend album. Colin, how did you get into Vampire Weekend? <laughs> we, we may have touched on this in a past episode but i don't remember i mean it's a little fuzzy for me i think the first memory we i have of them is we had a friend in common in high school and into like early college named peter mm-hmm. who like was re- really into indie bands at the time he just had all the albums he was just like buying them all because <laughs> he i guess he made enough money from his, his grocery job that he could just like buy tons and tons of cds of all the this is like just pre bands. collapse of the housing market probably just about right before uh yeah <laughs> same year same year but the the signs were, were there but we didn't know we didn't care honestly he was scooping up those albums before it hit yeah um, and I, I don't know if I actually listened to that album for most of the year, um, even though I was aware of it and I feel like I heard A-Punk on the radio a little bit, but, you know, I, I spent that year at community college and then like in the fall of 2008, I started at, uh, art school in San Francisco and for some reason I was just like, well, I'm at college now. But I wasn't like at, at real college. But it just it just felt like the time to listen to Vampire Weekend since there was like such a collegiate sound to it, and also I don't know. I get maybe I'm mythologizing things a bit. Maybe I just wanted to listen to it because the song seemed really catchy. But uh, that that was around when I when I really started listening to that album. It is kind of funny that it seemed to hit right about that time, like college. Like we, I mean, we we graduated in two thousand seven, but still, it was it was right smack down in the middle of us, 
kind of experiencing a post high school life. Yeah. I, I feel like there's like a little resentment from from me early on, like being like, these like these guys think they're so smart because they were these are Ivy Leaguer guys. Yeah, I mean that was definitely like a huge part of the press they got initially. I, I feel like like the whole rock fandom community was skeptical of them because they didn't fit your typical. Uh, persona of, of what we think rock bands should look like because they you know they dressed very preppy and they, they went to an ivy league school even though i i'm sure there are other famous artists that went to ivy league schools and it's also like they went to columbia they didn't go to like harvard or yale and it's just like they they seem pretty like upper middle class i mean they they were going there on like scholarships and and through student loans so i feel like that's kind of blown out of proportion but there's something about that aspect of them that i feel like made people a little uncomfortable or, or skeptical i guess that's a, that's a great segue into something i wanted to touch on i had a copy of spin magazine back in the day because that was my magazine of choice spin well that was, that was like a huge thing for them that they were on the cover of spin magazine i don't know if i had that one before they even had an album out wow dude yeah. That's legit, because, yeah, Spin Magazine was my shit, especially, like, 2003, <laughs> 4. I always talk about I have this one issue that I can remember, like, every single article in it, where yeah. the hives are on the cover. It's like, they're talking about Garden State's coming out. There's a whole section about, like, Fat Joe's, like, new energy drink, and, like, all the rappers' energy drinks that they come out. Pimp Juice energy drink, and just yeah. the Yeah Yeahs have, like, an article, and they're, like, brand new, and... Yeah. Uh, all sorts of bands like that, but I had this other issue of Spin Magazine that uh, I was talking about these like these new Ivy League bands. Obviously, this is a little bit later, mm. and um, it's funny looking in that article then and then thinking about today because at the time I, I was already a fan of three of the four bands, and I was I was like, oh, I wonder how this is all going to turn out. So obviously, there's Vampire Weekend. There was MGMT mm. who went to Wes Wesleyan, okay. and I don't know if you ever. <laughs> Heard of the band Chester French? I, I, remember, sometimes. I remember you writing about them. It's, it's also strange that like this period of music kind of coincided with us starting our blog, Mildly Please. Yeah. And they like Vampire Week was kind of a band that got big off of blogs writing about them. Not ours, but you know. And that was just kind of the the feeling at the time, just like lots of internet bands. Chester yes. French, I think I got Chester heavily French. into on MySpace, nice. on their MySpace channel. And the album wasn't out yet. I was like, this is going to be huge. <laughs> They're from Harvard, by the way. It's a wow. pop duo. Um, and they sang songs about like Jimmy Choo's and like models and stuff. Hmm. And uh, they did two albums, and I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> Except, oh, no, I do know one thing that happened to them. Um, the lead singer of Chester French uh, was the lead singer of the cover band in La La Land. Wow. So that's probably just like his real band now. <laughs> he probably just plays an 80s cover band. Yeah. Uh, what was the other band? I think it was maybe the Dirty Projectors, but they were way earlier. I think they're a little earlier. I think they yeah. went to Yale. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's funny because uh, I, I guess I'd still check in on MGMT, but they're definitely not really a part of my life anymore. <laughs> I feel like I've kind of outgrown that. Also, I feel like they seem kind of douchey and full of themselves so it's it just funny that that was there's a period where like these bands are all equal all equally good bands it's kind of interesting to compare those two because mgmt and vampire weekend definitely blew up at the exact same amount yeah of time. like that's I like both, the same year almost i both remember hearing 
both of those bands a lot coming out of like the college dorm rooms I was living in in late 2008 and you know in retrospect it seems like Vampire Weekend kind of handled their success a lot more like uh, just well with with I don't know just a kind of precision that's impressive well I mean for one thing MGMT had that kids song that was a huge hit yeah and then I feel like they're like we don't we're not about like our hits we're not gonna play it we don't even <laughs> like it that's not even a good song yeah and that definitely isn't a good thing to do if you have a popular song like that song sucks actually <laughs> to make everyone feel stupid yeah uh, I, I guess I didn't touch on how I got into Vampire Weekend I think I've shared this on this this podcast before but I'll, I'll be quick so yeah it was also Peter Williams related but 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 you know, it's funny. I mentioned how Vampire Weekend was the beginning of an era because, you know, college time, getting into more music, more indie pop. It was also kind of the end of an era because it was the last band I ever got into from music videos. Hmm. So I guess I would have been going to community college and I was still waking up and watching music videos before I'd go to class. <laughs> and um, this must have been VH1. Yeah. <laughs> uh, MTV was to stop showing videos in the morning. I didn't even know where they were showing videos at that point. Mm-hmm. And but it was the video for A Punk, and I was I was a big fan of that video and the song. I think it was a Garth Jennings video. He's um, he's directed some movies like Son of Rambo. Super fun, super fun band. Go with Peter Williams. Buys like twenty CDs, including that one. <laughs> like I was gonna get it, but he was already getting it. It was already on the list. Yeah. So I was like, okay, and then I'll just get that from him and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super into it. And then it was it was so weird to hear an album where there's songs like like it opens with like a, a song that's less than two minutes long. And there's just like a weird little guitar solo near the end. It's mostly keyboards and that kind of I don't even know how you describe the percussion on that first Vampire Weekend album. Yeah. Kind of a world beat. Yeah, it's definitely like Afro beat. Afro beat. Rhythms. Influenced, yeah. And then you had, but then you had uh, like stuff like was it M seven nine that was all the the orchestral stuff, yeah, like the chamber pop kind of. That was too. it. Was so weird to see an album <laughs> that had both of those on there, yeah. and was like very selective about what like like. Like, there'd be songs where there's just, like, a little bit of guitar at one part. It'd be, like, mostly bass-driven or mostly Mm keyboard-driven. It's, like, the songs are very specific and simple. And that really impressed me, because a lot of the other bands I was listening to were, like... Like, MGMT's, like, all out. Like, we're throwing it all out at you. (laughs) Very extravagant. Or, like, Chester French, man. We're throwing it all out there. (laughs) See, you taking it on in. Mm. I wasn't sure how I... How I, how I felt about the lyrics, though, and that's something we'll probably touch on on and mm. off uh, on this um, on this podcast. I, I thought they were kind of pretentious, yeah, <laughs> and I had no idea what any of the songs meant, or at least most of them. I was like, eh. I still don't know what a punk means. What is what is that? What is that? I don't what know. is that title? <laughs> I don't know. I've heard yeah. that song a million times. I have no idea what it's about. Something with the red coats. No clue. Yeah, no clue. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that's something they've gotten better at, like crafting songs that seem to have a narrative or a theme. But that first one, it definitely is. It seems like Escherkating just trying to be very clever. And I guess he gets, gets by because the songs are so catchy. And even though he's using these like kind of big, kind of hard to decipher words, you know, the songs have this immediacy to them that like 
you almost kind of grow fond of the lyrics, even if you're not sure really what to make of them. It's an it's an odd dynamic. It's weird to have a song that's catchy that you is hard to sing along to. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it, maybe it's easier to sing along to because like you can remember the words because they're so weird. I don't know. Yeah. I'm bad at remembering lyrics <laughs> in general, so. Um, you know something I totally forgot. I'm 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 not gonna lie. I pulled up the Wikipedia page just to uh, yeah. Just to check out some deets here, mm-hmm. I forgot that it was, and maybe this is all the the, the Vampire Weekend albums that Rostam Batmanglish produced it. Yeah, and that seemed, I, I don't know, like one of the reasons like him and uh, Ezra Koenig kind of hit it off was like he saw that Rostam was really serious about recording and and producing just like in his dorm room just making sounds on his computer and just kind of dissecting what what music could be and I I'm not sure if he was a classical music major or something but he definitely has that like it's almost like he's studying music as he's making it or something um so yeah that's, that's definitely a part of those early albums I mean he's pretty versatile too I'm looking at the uh at the, you know the, everything he plays, he plays so much harpsichord. Is that like real harpsichord? It sounds like real harpsichord. <laughs> yeah, Where the know. hell do you get a harpsichord? I don't know. And they put it in a basement. Yeah. How humble. Mm-hmm. How and it's. I mean, that, that's another impressive thing about this album. It seems like it was all self-produced by guys that didn't have like a huge budget or anything. They just made the thing, and it sounds good. I mean, it doesn't sound like modern rock radio at the time, but it sounds good in a very, like, simplistic way. I could go back and read the story of Vampire Weekend. How does a band like Vampire Weekend get discovered? Um, I mean, they're certainly unique. Like, if I went to a show and saw something, what is this? But they're, they're, they're so <laughs> quaint, it's hard to think they'd make a splash in any way. Was it this album coming out that, I wonder, blew, blew them up? I mean, what? were they playing all the clubs? <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to remember, even though I was just reading um, kind of their section in uh, this oral history of the the New York, like, 2000s rock scene that came out a couple of years ago okay. called uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it sounded like, like they just played some gigs, you know, at college while they were just kind of figuring things out. It didn't seem like they ever had any ambitions of being huge they were just kind of like dicking around and weren't ever like we have to like make this music career work it's just like things just kind of fit into place and the songs came together and i don't know if people started discovering them on myspace or or if they had an an ep i think they did and then they got signed to uh, xl which is kind of a bigger indie label um and so I, i don't know it is unclear how how they got that much notoriety. I, I guess it was just that I don't know. Just the music press could actually make a band back then. I guess kind of kind of like the Strokes. I mean, in that book, which is more or less like an ode to the Strokes more than any other band that's mentioned in that book. Like Vampire Weekend seems similar in that they got a lot of press. Some of it was about how they were just rich kids, and you know their first album was like both you know pretty big seller for a band that kind of had a an indie mindset and also you know was very critically acclaimed also um 
but it just seemed like after the first album, Vampire Weekend, kind of knew what they were doing way more than the, the Strokes ever did. Strokes, talk about the opposite of a band with humble beginnings. Like, I mean, granted, <laughs> granted that I love that first album, and that second album's pretty good, too. Yeah. Like, they're, they're rich kids. Like, Jim yeah. Casablanca's dad is, like, a fashion designer, and, of course, Albert Hammond Sr. is a famous songwriter. So. Mm-hmm. It's funny, because there's a passage in the book where... Um, Chris Bayo, the bass player, was like, when he was in like high school or something, his friend sent him like the the first Strokes album. They were like, well, they're kind of rich kids, and he was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to check that out. That even though he says like that's pretty ironic considering I was like the son of two lawyers, and it's like I was pretty upper class anyways but for some reason there's just that stigma attached to any rock band that seemed somewhat wealthy there's always a richer kid yeah (laughs) i don't want to go on a tangent do you ever read that julian casablanca's interview i have not i think it's nme (laughs) yeah where he's talking about like jimmy hundreds was like underground yeah and the interview's like he closed Woodstock. He was very popular <laughs> in his life. It was like people didn't like really know who he was though. Yeah. It's like Ed Sheeran's terrible. I think like like Ariel Pink is gonna be like huge, like it like cult star like in the years to come. Yeah. Just, you know, it's just funny to think. I'm like, is that guy really that stupid? <laughs> the songs are so good. Um he certainly didn't get to an Ivy League college <laughs> on his own his own merit. If he I don't know where he where he went. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a great connective tissue to go from that first album to that second album. I feel like it came out really soon. I mean, what was yeah, it, two, it two years? Was it even a year? It was 2010, so yeah. But then also kind of like, it was big when it came out, but I feel like kind of some people were kind of slow to catch on. Like, like they yeah. were like, they were like, that's cool. But it like, took some time for people to be like, that's actually really good, though. Yeah. <laughs> and then, hey, then another one just drops. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I think I was kind of the same way <laughs> because I also had that... Uh, that skepticism but i mean it's telling that when i did you know our first top 10 albums of the year mm-hmm. ever in 2008 like that first vampire weekend album was like seven or something and then when i did the my top albums of the decade it was like seven <laughs> my top 10 albums of the decade like i just kept listening to it over and over in 2009 and it just like grew on me and i got past that skepticism and so yeah by the time early 2010 rolls around um i'm pretty psyched i'm watching that cousins video where they're in the alley doing all i think that's also that's also garth jennings video. yeah i love that video so much do you remember where that first album was on my top 10 you remember things of uh <laughs> i'm just gonna guess number two maybe number three Maybe, if, if that's in true, my memory, feel pretty cool. In my memory, you were very big on that Killers album and that Oasis album, right? <laughs> oh man, oh man. Okay, okay. I gotta touch on that Killers album in a bit once we get to the the new um, the new Vampire Weekend album because yeah. I have something that there's something I need to discuss in terms of artwork with both bands. Yeah. And then, um, so I'm, remind me to touch on the Killers again when we get to Father of the Bride. Okay. Uh, 
And that voice shows huge pile of shit, but I liked it. I saw, dude, I saw Oasis play that before the album was even out, and they're like, dude, we've barely played these songs live. Were they confident? Yeah, okay. sure. Oh, I can't remember what either of those. There was one that was like super Indian, is cool, and then there was one that was like a huge ripoff of something. Imagine, probably. Mm-hmm. Man, 2008, what a year! What a year, man. But uh, 2010, new decade, yeah. Contra, Contra, super stoked, super stoked. I don't think I, I don't feel like I bought it though. I don't know how I got no, it. I bought it on iTunes, so I got a bonus track. What? But what was the bonus track? It was Giant. I'm sure I've heard it, but I don't remember. Yeah. I feel like I, because I feel like I've heard every Vampire Weekend song because, um, this was like a month ago at work. We have an Alexa. And someone's like, you know, Alexa, play Vampire Weekend. And it was on, like, all day. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I've heard every... And this is before Father of the Bride's out. So I'm yeah. pretty sure I've heard every song. Even some of their cool covers. Like, they do a cover of um, Bruce Springsteen's Going Down, which mm. is really good from Port yeah. in the USA. <laughs> I don't remember Giant off the top of my head, though. Maybe I got that from you. We were still burning stuff at this period of time. Right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I can't remember. I don't, I don't... It's possible. We must have. I mean, yeah. I certainly haven't gotten a burn CD in a long time, but I got it. I, that must have been it. Because I remember in my car, in my Dodge Stratus, having a disc that had Contra written on it with marker. Yeah. I, I'm, I didn't get it from Sean. <laughs> it must have been from you. Because uh, Sean, our editor-in-chief at Mildly, uh, Mildly Please, is not a huge fan of this album. Yeah. I think a lot of people aren't a huge fan of Contra. Why do you think that is? Uh, I just feel like it's hard for any band to live up to a debut like Vampire Weekend's first album, and so you're you're gonna have immediate skeptics just right away, no matter how good it is. I think um, it, it definitely tries things more than the first album, which I I really appreciate. I I think it's you know it's not my favorite of their albums, but it it shows that like you know they could sort of unleash even more like they could do even more things with their sound they could incorporate even more genres and do it pretty effortlessly like there's a lot more electronic stuff and you know synthesizers and beats and and stuff and it's it's pretty cool like uh giving up the guns definitely one of my favorite vampire weekend songs uh run i really like too it's just uh yeah auto-tune on it they just try a bunch of stuff and you know some of it sounds kind of like the first album like cousins is pretty in you know evocative of the first album but yeah uh it, it's got a little bit of everything really um i think it's pretty cool i think it is synth i think that's a, that's what people don't like especially when there's a band that comes out with an album that's mostly i, I guess rock mostly guitar mm-hmm. and like maybe a little bit of keyboards but not synth sounding keyboards not yeah. like 80 sounding keyboards <laughs> this is 80 sounding keyboards and it's not like always used super heavily mm-hmm. but i think it's used enough for people to be like eh. and then like giving up the gun if i recall has kind of like are those real drums if they have a, like a synthetic sound to yeah. them <laughs> like it could be a stroke song yeah <laughs> we're giving up the gun <laughs> do that <laughs> i can't do an impression of julie casablanca's but i can picture it's i can i can hear in my head what it would sound like yeah um i was you know 
I was still I was still young, so I, I think I, I felt like this is like just as good as the last one. Like you know, you, you're a lot more defensive of bands that you like when you're younger. <laughs> like this is like the best though. This is like really good though. This is like as I can't even decide which one's better. I, I'm pretty sure I was like kind of yeah. Like I don't even know which one's better. And looking back, like I like Contra, but it definitely feels not. I don't know. Like I like that it's experimental, but. <sighs> I don't know. There's not there's not as many songs. There's songs I like. There's not as many that stand out to me and are super memorable. Yeah. Like I said, I like I like like I like cousins. Um, I like holiday, even though I probably just liked it because I kept hearing it in commercials. It was, mm-hmm. it was like in a bunch of car commercials back in the yeah. day for some reason, or travel commercials or something. Because <laughs> you're going on a holiday, man. And they had like what I like to call Christmas guitars. <laughs> That's something that. Uh, early vampire weekend did a lot that i like it's kind of like almost like a back and forth dueling guitar you know mm-hmm. i mean rostam was a, a multi-instrumentalist but when when they played guitar there wasn't it was never really established as like lead and rhythm yeah it was kind of just like we're both just playing on like one string you're playing like, a different one i'm like playing another really one. frantic oh, it's just like a lot of like really really fast picking and just yeah kind of like I don't know what the word you describe it as like i, I was gonna say like tropical there's like yeah. a beachy sound to it or something <laughs> it's not surf guitar but it's yeah. I, I, I like it's so easy to go back and just say world world, world music yeah. whatever that even means <laughs> or say paul simon because paul simon visited other countries and then did world music yeah paul simon guitars <laughs> i guess we should note this is when we saw saw them live saw yeah. them live that was oh. at 2010 2010 yeah. at Sasquatch. At Sasquatch. Now, now rest in peace, Rest man. in peace. We don't have Sasquatch Festival It anymore. is crazy to think about that, just that one day we were seeing, like, a bunch of my favorite bands at the time good, were playing. Yeah. Like, so much so that I didn't even get to see the Hold Steady, who I absolutely loved at the time, because I had to see the National also playing at the same time, another of my favorite bands at the time. But I was like, well... I'll go see the Hold Steady when they come to Seattle in a few months, but I forgot to buy tickets so that it's sold and out. I didn't see my favorite comedian of all time, Pat Oswald. Pat Oswald. Do you remember who I saw and said, Colin? Uh, okay, go. Saw, okay, go. <laughs> and I kept expecting Okay, go to actually bring out like those like uh, the treadmill things. Yeah, they're some stunt. <laughs> no, Just like I, I like that one break breakout Okay, go album. Yeah. But uh, live, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> they're just they're just fun to watch the videos. Yeah. That was a mistake. Uh, I also wanted to see Edward Sharp, who I guess Pat Oswalt made fun of. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. They're Edward Sharp is a band that I briefly like really liked, and now I don't even know how many albums they have or whatever. And Vampire Weekend was uh, they're like felt the, like they were the headline. They're like because because like they played at the time when you'd really want to be dialed in watching the show. Yeah. Because then my morning jacket took the stage afterwards. But it's like I felt like a lot of people are tired. Some people were going off to go watch the I feel electronic stuff. Like a lot stuff. of people were leaving during yeah. my morning jacket after being like totally dialed in for Vampire. Yeah, weekend. I mean, especially when they're doing stuff like, oh, we're going to do Don Dante and it's going to go on for eighteen minutes or something. I'll get back to Vampire Weekend in just a minute, but do you think if that show and most of those bands came together today, the order that they played would be about the same? Are those bands the same level of popularity, or have some gone down and up? Mm, I, I guess I would I would say uh, Vampire Weekend's bigger than My Morning Jacket. The National are probably bigger than My Morning Jacket, too. 
I think we also saw Broken Social Scene um, before the National. They're, they're probably about the same. <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't help that My Ring Jacket hasn't really released a great album in a while. Or an album in a while. Or an album in a while. <laughs> also, at that show, Mumford & Sons, that's they right. be the headline. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I don't know. What is Mumford & Sons now? Well, I, I don't know what their last album was like, but the one before that, I remember it was like the one where they're like, we're not acoustic anymore. For a rock yeah. band. Yeah, and people are like, oh, do I still like this? I think I like this. <laughs> I was working at a bookstore at the time, and that was a really popular graduation gift for some reason. I kept hearing people buy it, like, I'm going to give this like, to my friend who's graduating, or my son, he's graduating. It's time yeah. you're a man. Here's the Mumford and Sons <laughs> I kind of like that, though. I kind of feel like that makes sense. Like, yeah. It's a manly band. Probably not going to get a... Well, actually, you would get a Vampire Weekend album if you're going to, like, a dirty college after school. <laughs> there you go, son. Here's your Vampire Weekend. Uh, but that show, that was a that was a fun show. I don't... I only remember snippets. I don't remember much of it. I remember... I do remember giving up the gun, actually, for some reason. Yeah. And I think... Um, was it... I Stand Corrected? Mm. I, I feel like... What did they close with? I thought they... No, they closed with Walcott. It's a good close. I love that song. I was trying to remember what I was trying to remember my favorite song off of that first Vampire Weekend album. I think it's Walcott. Uh, yeah, it's always been mine too. Mm-hmm. Love it. With Cape Cod stuff. Well, that was that was sweet. Uh, I kind of wish that I'd seen them, like off the first album. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe off the third. I don't know. I don't yeah. remember them touring super heavily in the third. But maybe they did another Sasquatch or something or another. Yeah, maybe. You know, by then. Uh, if they went to Sasquatch, I'm sure it would have been way too much money. Probably. Sasquatch in 2010 was probably like $75. And, mm. you know, three, four years later, it was probably like 120 a day. So, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that was a pretty good time to see them just because, I don't know. Just like all the young people are so into their music at that point. Like, it felt very zeitgeisty. Like, everyone knew the words. They were all singing along. They were so into it. Um, which kind of reminds me this like week I was watching Vampire Weekend playing at the Reading Festival in mm-hmm. in England. This was two thousand eight, so that just off of their first album, there's like thousands of people there all singing along. Wow! <laughs> and it, I guess that just speaks to kind of the immediacy of that band that like people that were into them immediately were way into them just because uh, they're a band that more than a lot of other ones I can think of like modern bands where like you can hear one of their songs for the first time and be like this is really good i want to listen to this over and over again i think that's usually how i feel about yeah uh, vampire again i usually know if i'm gonna like it right off the bat with the song yeah and yeah so i guess we can we can go on to the, to the big one the big one the big the big daddy-o <laughs> Uh, Modern Vampires of the City. This is May 2013. Got a little soul, the world is a cold, cold place to be. Want a little warmth, but who's gonna save a little warmth for me? We know the fire away, some believers are. I was definitely like tracking this album, I was ready for it. Me too. I remember the the first time I had any indication of it was it must have been like October of 
2012. They okay. played on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a Halloween show, so they were all dressed up as skeletons. I remember that. I remember and they were playing Unbelievers. Unbelievers. And I was like, this song's really catchy. I'm glad that you remember that, because for some reason I kept thinking, Unbelievers, skeletons? Yeah. How does that tie no, together? It happened. Because, <laughs> yeah, because it took so much longer after that appearance for the album to actually come out yeah but i was i was stoked because i liked i really liked unbelievers i remember talking to my girlfriend being like i could totally imagine that and like the like a west anderson movie or like <laughs> the trailer to west anderson like there's that one part like the bridge is like doo, 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 doo. Like, this is the part where you start showing everybody that's in the movie like you show them and they show their name <laughs> and their name name like that's how you cue it up yeah um and I also remember the the singles being released beforehand. Like I think they released oh, yeah. Diane Weird Young, videos. Step, and Yahe. So I felt kind of familiar with the yeah, album yeah, before yeah. it came out. And, and uh, I mean, those are definitely like the big songs on the album. I would say, although Hannah Hunt's also a pretty impressive song, just because it's so much quieter and sort of like sincere than any of the the songs they'd done before then. Um, but yeah, I, I I was very impressed when that album came out because it's not uh, it's not often that a band has a first album that's that big and you know that makes that big of a splash, and then they actually you know, either match or top themselves with, with another album. Um, and it's it's totally different <laughs> from the album before it and the album before that. It's it's like a lot more, I don't, I don't know, maybe a little more somber, a little more introspective, but it's not really a bummer album because the songs are still pretty catchy. I always felt it was like a spiritual album. Yeah. It, it is very sort of existential, <laughs> which is odd i guess because the these guys were like in their late 20s at the time and they're thinking about like they're singing about mortality i almost wouldn't mind kind of just going through the songs on this yeah sure just for a minute um because something that's interesting about this album is the first song on the album was when the album came out i didn't really like the first song and i still am not a huge fan of obvious bicycle (laughs) But I do. I have learned to appreciate it. I, I don't know if it was the best choice to open the album. Hmm. Maybe it makes sense, but like I don't know. It doesn't get me like pumped like some of these other songs do. <laughs> it has some great vocal harmony stuff going on in it, which I really appreciate. I think it was because like it was like long. It's like I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. I mean, it's four minutes, but at the time <laughs> that was pretty long for a Fire Weekend song. Yeah. Um. But it was cool. No idea what that title means. No, 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 I like the song. I've yeah. always liked it. <laughs> Unbelievers, of course. Pretty great. Classic. Skeletons. Love it. Yep. Step, I always felt like, was the sequel to M79 because it has that, it's like that return to like the big chamber choir yeah. thing. It also has like some of the most confusing <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> lyrics of any Vampire Weekend song yeah. I can think of. And I have, um, I want to touch on that when we talk about the new album. <laughs> but I love that. That song is so beautiful yeah it's definitely one of their their high marks i don't know if it's if it's my favorite song on them i think it yahe is my favorite song i don't don't, don't jump ahead too much yeah um diane young which i feel like the radio tried to make a single it's a little too odd (laughs) to be a big single so it's it's short and a lot of like voice 
modulation on it. I love that, though. I'd always yeah. try to sing along. <laughs> I wonder what that's like in concert when the audience tries to sing along. <laughs> There's like some heavy like dudes in the back with like deep voices like just my time to shine. <laughs> yeah because i remember them doing that on snl having like a cool voice modulator thing and they'd always perform it with saxophones too mm, yeah which is also which is always really cool and it was funny when they put it on the radio i remember that it, it had like the the beginning of don't lie like right at the end when they play it, even on the radio because mm. this, if you remember those two songs kind of segue into each other like you hear like the first kind of drum beats of "Don't Lie." Yeah. Uh, so I was like, weird. Like, why did they cut it like that? See, it's like they try to make it a single, but I don't know that there are. What's, what do you think is the most single-friendly song on this album, if there is one? Boo. <laughs> Maybe unbelievers. I guess it's not an easy choice. Yeah. So I thought it was funny that Diane Young was the one. Um. Don't lie. You know, I feel like for a lot of these these next ones, um, I don't know how much I like to say. I feel like a lot of them are, 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 are simple. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great like keyboards in them. Um, a lot of like interesting acoustic guitars that are played like fast. Like I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's kind of stripped down in an interesting way. Yeah. It it's not. There's not a whole lot of like electric stuff going on. It's pretty like it's pretty like chill. <laughs> Cause like the first, those first three the songs that like I described are like big songs, and I yeah. feel like it kind of goes chill. Of course, Hannah Hunt is a classic. You mentioned it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like a big step forward for them, and uh, yeah, I guess in a way it, it is more of an acoustic album, just acoustic guitars, you know, upright piano. Um, which is interesting because it does have like all these traces of like electronic instrumentation too but they they've always seemed like that that's been kind of their mo just to like parcel together these different influences and make them coherent when it doesn't seem like they should be i guess another thing that struck me about songs like don't lie and everlasting arm and yeah fin- finger back is those the first half of the album feels very like I wouldn't, I'm not going to say overproduced, but very big in, in that way that it's produced. Mm-hmm. Where the other one it feels very intimate. It feels a very home studio feel. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting detour to take for this album. Like, <laughs> you know, reading about that first album being recorded in a basement, you kind of feel like a kinship with this one in the first album a lot more than this one in the second album, I think. Yeah. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like they like took like Contra and then like built out of Contra. It kind of seems like they just went, they pivoted in another way. <laughs> yeah, which I appreciate because I don't think I would have wanted more since. Like, I think there I was a little, even though like I like at, back in the day I was like Contra is so good. You know, you understand? <laughs> I think there was a little worry that like you know not a lot of people like really like Contra though. I'm kind of mm. worried that this next one might be not as good. Like I don't know. But I think when those four songs came out, I was starting to feel a lot better. Yeah. And then when the whole thing came out, I was sold. And it's funny, in, in my in my memory, it's a really short album, but it's not that short. It's 42 minutes. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've listened to that thing front to back so many times. Yeah. I forgot to talk. I, I like totally gave up on going track by track. <laughs> I realized it was a lot harder to talk about what makes each song different. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I... I 
I, I've touched on it a couple times. Yahe, I think, is, is my favorite song on that album. Mm. Um, even with that weird, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I like watching a video of them play it live. It's cool. Mm. Um, I don't think Ezra Koenig even, like, plays an instrument in video live. It's, it's mostly just, like, the bass and there's, like, some some key, like cool keyboard stuff. It, it's cool when they play it live. And you can see mm. the bass player, like, he used to sing. Mm. I don't know how often he sang. Doesn't seem like he sings. Yeah, like but he sang on just, that one. Just dancing around the stage. Just dancing around. <laughs> and then Hudson, Young Lion. Like Hudson is Hudson the one that's kind of creepy. Oh, it's kind of scary. <laughs> Hudson thing. And then Young Lion is just like it's funny that that tops off the album because it's like homemade, homemade. It's like it sounds like like a very like. Like it was done on a tape recorder or something, you know. It's, yeah, and it's like all Rostam seems like yeah. he's singing on it, probably playing every instrument on it. And you know, a sign of things to come, perhaps, because this was his last, uh, his last full album with the band. Yeah. You know, I'm noticing too; he didn't produce it all himself. Yeah, they brought in a, another producer, Rickstad, Rickstad, who also produced their their latest album. That must be tough though when you're like, you're not like the leader, but you do like co-write like all the songs. Like I bet you it is like very, like you want to probably get out there and do mostly your songs. So yeah. I understand why he left. Like I get it. And it seems like he's gone from the band, but he still has like a presence in the band kind of. Yeah. Which is interesting. I can't think of many other examples. The, the, well, I always compared, Rossum always reminded me a lot of Chris Walla's role in Death Cab. Mm-hmm. Where they are both yeah. multi-instrumentalists who produced all the albums. And then, like, Chris Walla left on a certain album. But he still, like, co-wrote a couple songs and still, like, did a little bit of producing. So mm-hmm. he's, like, he's out of the band, but he's kind of still in the band. But not really. <laughs> and you know what's so funny about both of these these um, artists? And I'm going to touch on this again when we talk about Father of the Bride. Is how, like... When when like Chris Wall left or when Rossum left, it seems like the only way to replace them is to add like five people to the band because <laughs> they're so versatile. They they did so many things that you needed multiple. Like people. I don't know what this what Vampire Weekend's current uh, touring lineup is like, but I've, I feel I've like seen, I've seen some videos yeah. and it's a lot bigger than what they used to be. Same with Death Cab; they're like six people now, <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So let's get into it. Father of the Bride. year what what a gap but man um a lot of music so it's, it's not like they like waited this long and then didn't give us anything they, they gave us something they sure did um you know we, we kind of talked about our, our our lead up to uh modern vampires what was your lead up to father of the bride like like when would you become aware of it um well I, I remember there was like a day where um ezra Koenig, um, did like an Instagram post or something where he kind of announced it and like indicated that the initials for the album were FOTB and I think maybe a week later or something he released um, the single Harmony Hall and one of the other songs but it was one of the shorter songs um, 
And I guess listening to that song, I just like, ah, oh, this is a little more chill. It's kind of like a little bit of a jam band feel, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I got to like it over time. I, I remember like humming, humming it along, just liking that piano part, I guess, and the 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 percussion seemed like a kind of a new new direction for the band. Before I touch on Harmony Hall. I remember following this album back when everybody, for a while, thought it was going to be called something else. <laughs> that Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi Macchiato. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> Pretty sure that was like a joke they <laughs> said to some music journalist or something. I don't know. <laughs> Are you disappointed it's not called it's Mitsubishi called... <laughs> Macchiato? <laughs> I mean... No, that's a bad title. But then again, Modern Vampires of the City is a pretty bad title. It is a bad title. It's weird to have the band, like the first part of the band's name in the title. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Harmony Hall. It kind of reminds me of Futurama music. When it the piano hits. I was like, what does that remind me of? It has like a... I was thinking, does this like remind me of like Beck or something? Can I imagine Beck doing this or like Futurama? It's it, that, that that the way the piano hits. It's yeah. it's it's like the biggest thing they've ever done in terms of production. I feel like and yeah. it's a long song too. That's actually something that I'm not a huge fan of in Harmony Hall. I feel like it is mm-hmm. a little too long for me. Um, but I liked it fine. I liked the music video with the bugs too. <laughs> I think it has another music video now. But hey, let's talk about the album title and the album. Uh, cover it's not like a super important part of how this album should be judged mm-hmm. but it is a part do you like that album cover uh not really i guess okay i don't i don't hate it I don't yeah hate it. i'm pretty indifferent um it, I, I, I was saying it looks like a shirt you buy at the zoo in the 90s mm. <laughs> it has that like early 90s feel like yeah. something like that or it looks like a, a crappy logo for a 90s website <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I like the title though, because of the the Steve Martin Father of the Bride movie. Hmm. I think there's another movie before that called Father of the Bride. I like the title actually. Well, it's, it's just it's already been used though. Like you can, there's you can name your album anything. You can name it Mitsubishi Macchiato. Yeah. You're gonna name it after? I mean, it wasn't after a Steve Martin movie, <laughs> or it maybe it was. I don't know. I'm guessing they went with it because they didn't assume most people thought about that movie very often. But I think about it all do. the time. <laughs> the only Steve Martin movie I think about more is if they called it Parenthood. Yeah. <laughs> they could have called it Parenthood. <laughs> it has a similar feel to the title Father of the Bride. Oh, and this is where I want to talk about the killers. I, I hate it when bands, um, when they're releasing their albums, have like a pattern they follow on their album covers. Mm. Like the the Killers' uh, first mm, three, might have even been four albums, all have the Killers written in like this dot font, and it's that's a cool design. And then there's like some cool art around it, or they'll just do variations on it, right? Yeah. And um, Vampire Weekend for their first three albums kind of had like they'd use that one font over like a classical or like a cool vintage photo. And then both times when these bands decided to break away from their pattern. <laughs> It's not like they chose something really cool. <laughs> they chose like their worst album cover yet. Like in this case, this '90s website logo. And for the Killers, it was like a picture of a conch shell. It didn't even say the name of the band on it. Weird. So I don't understand that. I, I guess you like you're trying to reinvent yourself, or you're trying to like this is a new era. This is the, the for Vampire Weekend. This is the no Rostam or less Rostam era. Yeah. So we're breaking away from the old pattern. But I'm kind of <laughs> sad to see that they don't do that. Uh, they're not doing that style anymore. 
Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's get let's get more into the album. There's there's so much of it. It's <laughs> it's 18 tracks. Now I did make um, a list, not a long one, just like little key points um, of the five the five things I like about it so far, and the five things I'm not crazy about it about the album so far yeah i don't know if we should work off of that or if we should just kind of go through some of these tracks first uh we could go through that just because i mean at this point it's a new album i don't have all of the tracks memorized in my mind because it is a lot to sort through and also i generally like the album it Mm -hmm. sounds like you're a little more mixed than me okay um but also again this is just my kind of like gut impression from having listened to I it mean, this weekend. This is an album and this is why I feel so so weird about not being super crazy about it. Everyone likes it. It's not even like that I don't controversial. Know if that's completely true. I mean some people are like it's Have you fine. seen the review section on the Wikipedia page Colin? <laughs> eighty two. Uh, eighty two out of hundred on Medicare. I mean all it's music not like... four and a half. <laughs> Paste gave it a five point three, but I don't even mm. know who reads Paste. <laughs> Pitchfork didn't give them a best new music. I'm sure that stinks. <laughs> Especially for them. I bet they're a band that really likes good Pitchfork well, that's, that's all they've gotten so far. I, I kind of like felt like Pitchfork was going to love it right away. Like that out, al- they, they posted the review like right as the album came out. Mm-hmm. Like it was there. I was like, I listened to the album and the review was up. <laughs> like, and I got, I started listening to that album at midnight when it came out. So did I. This was an interesting experience for me just because I hadn't felt the feeling of like a a big name rock band releasing an album where it's like kind of an event. Like I feel like that was the way it was whenever Radiohead used to release for sure, albums. For sure. And this kind of gave me that same feeling where I heard this album and I was like, I like this, but I also like want to dig deeper into it. Like I feel like I had to spend some time with it because mm-hmm. there's a lot here. Um I hadn't felt that in a while because I guess music just feels so more disposable now that you're just like, yeah, this is pretty good. I'll listen to another band, though. It's been so long, too. Six years. Like, I think I would get this feeling, too, if I found out another Daft Punk album was coming out. Yeah. If another one ever comes out. (laughs) Because I think they went back to their home planet. Um, But yeah, it had been a long time, so naturally I was excited. And maybe I'm still trying to do... um, come down off of that hype and just try to settle into it because it is it's definitely an album you settle into like <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm sure some people like pitchfork let's do it like oh every song is a masterpiece 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 <laughs> i love it already um but yeah I, I guess i'll start with the five things that i like and then and then go to the five things that i'm eh, i don't know yeah <laughs> Uh, my first one is so generic. I just said, it's unique. It doesn't really sound that much like the other ones. It does sometimes. Sometimes you you, yeah. you get little snippets of like, oh yeah, that's the kind of stuff that they used to do. Like, you know, um, Bambina is like a short song. It's like, that feels like something that could have been on Modern Vampires. Or some of this other stuff. Um, so yeah, unique, different. They're not um, going over the same territory they've already gone over. Yeah. Uh, this one is a big one, and I think it's probably the biggest strength of this album is guitar work. Yeah, it feels a lot more guitar heavy than the modern vampires, which is cool, and I, I guess makes sense since Ezra's more at the forefront, and so he gets to to jam around a bit. I mean, I, one of the first songs because after they they released um, Harmony Hall, and then I think twenty twenty one, and then I think they did put out Sunflower somewhere on the internet, yeah. and I heard that, and that is just like. Almost like features, froggy or something. Yeah, I mean, people. I, I've heard Grateful Dead drop yeah. a lot, and it's funny because, like, yeah, it makes me think of like 
China Cat Sunflower. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like that's like a, that, I saw him play it with one of his band members. I'm, I'm mm. you know, his new touring guitarist, and it's like this is an intricate thing. Like this is a lot of stuff to remember. Yeah. <laughs> and that was pretty cool. I'm into that. Yeah. That that kind of like intricate guitar, but it's not like rock guitar. It's like summery jam guitar, which is which is cool to see that today. And it's and that's not by like Fish or something. Yeah, I. I... I really enjoy them just on the basis that it does have kind of a jam band influence, but like most jam bands don't have good songwriters in them. So you can kind of enjoy that sort of like intricate instrumentation, but also like Ezra Koenig's writing good catchy melodies behind them too. It really does feel like with a song like Sunflower, like you probably put a lot of thought into putting that together. Yeah. So... And he probably wasn't getting like super stoned out of his mind because it struck me as that kind no, of guy. No. <laughs> uh, my next one is small because I, I I still need to listen to more of the album to kind of see where this all goes. But I put like samples and effects. Yeah. Uh, Twenty Twenty One is uh, got Harumi Hosono uh, sample. I like his band. I've talked about them before. What were they called? He's had a couple bands. Well, he's mostly uh, famous as a solo artist, but also the, ha- the Happy End. That's the band. Mm. He's an artist I've always been meaning to get more into. So that's cool. And there's some other songs, I think it's Rich Man has, it almost, I can't tell if it's just recorded in an interesting way or if it's a sample. It has like an old timey sounding guitar, but it's like, got like a weird filter over it. And there's a lot of stuff like that that's really cool. Um, And sometimes I feel like there's songs where it'll be just like, Ezra Koenig found a a cool sound on his keyboard and he's like, we're going to write a whole song based around this weird (laughs) keyboard setting that I found. Yeah. Like I'm still I'm still pairing the sounds to the songs, so I don't really remember which song I'm trying to talk about. But yeah, uh, there's one in particular that has like a weird like that doesn't seem like you want to use that sound for a song, <laughs> but I think it's kind of cool that you're doing that. Yeah. Um, five things I like. Number four. Uh, I really really like the song "Unbearably White." I think that's my favorite song on the album. I was definitely expecting a different. Uh, kind of song based off the title <laughs> I was like this is going to be very satirical <laughs> um, but no that's not what it's like yeah. it's talking about like you know, mountains being unbearably white or like an empty notebook page but the guitar is like so cool on that song it's kind of um, it's got like a jazzy feel to it which I like very warm guitars yeah. I love that song I don't, is there any song so far that you're like that one in particular I mean, I know it's like it's like a it's hard. So, piece. like at this point, the most immediate one we were talking about Vampire Weekend's immediacy, I guess, is this life, which is just like a really upbeat. That's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> just warm, good, good springtime jam. And my 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 next thing, my last five thing I like. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, is uh, I think this will make for a very cool live show. And I think it's yeah. going to be really interesting to see how they integrate this into their, their tours. Yeah, it's, it's odd. I'm kind of interested to see them live again, which I don't know that I have been since we saw them do mm-hmm. Contra, just because it, it feels like a different band at this point. And I feel like they did kind of, you know, take the four-piece thing as far as they could go, but now, like, expanding everything and opening it up. I don't know. It, it seems like it would be a cool live show. I wonder um, how they do the older songs. They have like seven people in the band now. Yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder if uh, 
they'll just like have a chunk of the set where they just play old songs and they just have like oh, yeah. the keyboard player out there. Or something it's kind of like how um, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash did the acoustic set and then did the electric set. Yeah. Or like I remember seeing the Mountain Goats and like there'd be a part where John Darnell would just do acoustic and singing and the, the band members would just like leave for a while. Okay. Sing the early songs. Things I don't like. Yeah. I don't like the duets. Yeah, I'm kind of not in love with them either. I, I kind of like the one um, We Belong Together, maybe just because it's produced by Rostam and it has kind of his signature piano yeah, work yeah, yeah. on it. That, that's kind of a nice little ditty. But I agree, it those kind of feel more like motifs than actual songs, even though Daniel Heim appears on them, and I like Heim, but... Yeah, I don't know. Those songs feel a little underdeveloped. Is Heim, I don't remember. Are they that country? It's, there's, those songs are very country. One of them has not steel really. guitar in it. Yeah, not really. I don't like steel guitar in Vampire <laughs> Weekend. <laughs> I feel like Married in a Gold Rush, I really don't like. That's my least favorite song on the album. Yeah. And that kind of, I think that segues into my next thing I don't like, is is some of the lyrics. Um, mm. I can't decide how I feel about, like, I understand a lot of the lyrics. <laughs> but I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, and I was looking at like I was reading a review or something. Someone like it was a section from Married in a Gold Rush, and is like, uh, "Let me see if I can I can pull that up real <laughs> quick." And I was like, "That's a those are Vampire Weekend lyrics. What the what the hey what the ya hey are we are, are we looking at here?" Um, so I don't know. Like, on one hand, I I, I like knowing how he's feeling and what he's yeah, singing about. It's, it's a different side of of him where. He's not trying as hard to be clever. It feels more personal, where some of the last um, albums, it's like, I don't know if he's just trying to impress me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know, I was, I was thinking about earlier today was that, and I, I mentioned earlier how, like, Step had um, the most confusing lyrics. And then I was trying to think of, what's another man that's really confusing lyrics? And how this would be, like, maybe a fun game. Um, the Decemberists. Hmm have very difficult lyrics yeah i wanted to i want to bring up a passage from from a december song and from and from step and then ask you which one do you think is more confusing <laughs> okay okay so uh, step you will you'll obviously have heard the words it doesn't mean that you've deciphered them over the years but i think that just that first kind of section of step um Back, back, way back when I used to front like Angor Watt, Mechanicsburg, Anchorage, and Dar es Salaam, while home in New York was Champagne and Disco, tapes from LA slash San Francisco, but actually Oakland, not Alameda. Your girlfriend was in Berkeley with her communist reader. Mine was entombed within Boombox and Walkman. I was a hoarder, but girl, that was back then. Uh, Angor Watt, Mechanicsburg? Angor Watt is as a person, right? I think so. Okay, yeah. what the fuck is Mechanicsburg? I think it's probably some city. Dar es Salaam? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, and... Um, Here's a section from one of my favorite um, December songs. This is the Calamity song from their, uh, was it their Hail, he- The King is Dead album, 2011. Hmm. Hefty Green, Queen of Supply Side, Bone Homie, Bone Drab, if you know what I mean, on the road. It's well advised to follow your own path in the year of the chewable ambient tab. And the Panamanian child stands at the Dowager Empress's side, and all that remains is the arms of the angel. Wow. I don't even know most of those words. <laughs> so I don't know. Which which one of those is more confusing? Uh, probably Steph. 
<laughs> like at least I feel like there's a story there with the uh, Decemberus one. Yeah, it looks like it's some sort of historical progression of something. Yeah. Whereas I don't know what the fuck Seb is about. <laughs> I used to front my It's kinda like um a, a like um a lit major versus a history major. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'd like to see those. I'd like to see uh, Ezra Koenig and Colin Malloy throw down. <laughs> oh, I never talked about it. last December. Some was bad. Oh yeah, they did like an electronic thing. I didn't even listen to it. It's weird, man. Yeah. Okay, uh, back to <laughs> the things that I don't. I don't like. Um, there's no Rasta, man. Yeah. They needed like six people to fill his his place. Do you see how many co-producers and like personnel there are on this album? Yeah, shitload of people shitload of people <laughs> it just I don't know I, I, I'm i not 100% always what he added but I definitely feel like something's gone mm. that makes me sad yeah I do wonder if he felt like he'd gotten to the point where he couldn't really do anything new with the band or, or just got tired of it I don't know but and it's weird because even when um Modern Vampires of the City came out. They were talking about how they thought it was the last of a trilogy, but like now we know why it's been like cemented officially as the last of a trilogy. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I just like that it's still so new feeling when it's very easy for a band, you know, on their fourth or fifth album to feel like they're just spinning their wheels but the fact that Ezra Kenning was like well my, my friend's gone but like let's just let's just keep trying new mm-hmm. things and and that's pretty compelling I feel like even if maybe not all of it works um and again I, I just like the fact that they did a double album like yeah you know if you really like an artist you want to hear their double album to see what it's like if they just kind of I don't know. Just do more, and uh, they certainly do that here. Okay, my next my next thing. Um, without Rossum, I I kind of feel like this doesn't really feel like a band anymore as much as as much as it feels like Ezra Ezra Koenig's solo project. Not that like I don't know. It's hard to know how much those other two guys, the two Chris's, ever really <laughs> contributed. But like, like I guess in those early albums, like. Since those songs were so simple, like you'd have that like cool drum groove and that cool bass groove, and now there's just so many other instruments. I feel like it really diminishes their importance in the group. Like I saw a video of them playing. I think it was Sunflower and drummer Chris. Uh, he wasn't even playing a drum kit. He was just like playing banging on a bongo or something. Uh. <laughs> like it's like it didn't even matter that he was there. Like there's yeah. so many other band members <laughs> that um, it doesn't it doesn't quite feel like a band anymore. And I guess I don't know. Like, uh, it's I don't know how you'd make it more feel like a band with with, with Rock and Gone. Like, I'm I'm torn. I'm uh, I don't know. Do you think it feels like a band? No, it doesn't. It feels more like a yeah, like a project, or like and, a collective, yeah, a collective, like and, a like a Gorillaz album, which is a bunch of people get together and make an album or yeah, something. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and I think Ezra had. had thought about calling it a solo album but it just seemed like well what's gonna make it that different from a vampire weekend album since i do write the songs yeah. and and uh, uh yeah I, I like the two chrises i think they do add a lot more than most 
drummers and bass players do in in a lot of modern rock bands like i remember um because i play drums a lot a, a lot of times when i was practicing drums i would just play along with the first two vampire weekends albums because they're just like they're so unique and so fun and like he uses the whole kit in a really interesting way that that um you know most rock drummers don't like i it's so rare to think of the times where he's just played like a straight four four beat like it barely yeah. ever happened my go-to vampire weekend beat in my mind is yeah <laughs> something really i was doing you can't see because you're listening to a podcast but i was doing some pretty crazy arm movements to go <laughs> yeah i think my favorite of his drum parts is is cousins because it has that part where where he well yeah but then like the main part is also like where he's using like everything on the drum set just for this one beat i can't think of a lot of songs on this album that are really fast like that yeah you don't all need to have a song like that it's, it's a pretty chill album overall. and like just because they did a chill album doesn't mean that they can't do another one in 10 years or whatever mm-hmm. that uh <laughs> that does have more of that kind of um experimental percussive stuff in it like this was experimental in a different way in a way they haven't really done before you know, yeah there's a lot more guitars, a lot more piano, um, duets, just collaborating, trying out new ideas. I don't think I hit on all five of my, 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 uh, my points. My last one is just too long. Yeah. <laughs> it's too know. long. I like the longness, honestly. It took me, it took me uh, a while to get through it. But I have listened to yeah. it twice. I have listened to it twice. But um, it's, it's hard to uh, decipher it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to decipher any double album. Yep. So... I guess that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't dislike it. It's just I wanted it to be the best thing ever, <laughs> and I think it's tough because I don't think, in my mind, they're ever going to make an album that's better than Modern Vampires, and that's yeah, fine. Like, if you make an amazing album, like yeah, you've done it, man. Everything else is just icing on the cake. I mean, if you've made like two classic albums, that's that's pretty. Yeah, good. they've made two classic albums, and now they've come back with an, another like one that people are like, this is all you just as you know almost as good as those other two so yeah. now it's just contra kind of sitting out there <laughs> sitting on the bench which, which oddly gives it a kind of appeal that it's you could say well it's the underrated how one. many contra songs do you think they play on a vampire weekend set now uh, probably a few I don't do you know. think they still play cousins Oof, maybe, maybe well they have so not. many band members now they have some they have somebody who just plays the bell part yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to me for me to imagine them playing some of the Contra stuff, though. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm very intrigued by going to go see Vampire Weekend. I know they're they're on tour right now. I, I know on their Seattle date they're coming to Wamu, which isn't my favorite venue. I've never been, except for my high school graduation. But we played at our high school graduation. That's true. So you played at Wamu. You probably yeah. played at Wamu before Vampire Weekend did. That was like 2007. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Give him some tips. Yeah, about the, you know, let them know what the acoustics are, where the sweet spots are. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's exactly still like that. Like, our setup for graduation is how Vampire Weekend's going to be set up. Hmm. Weird. So. But yeah, man, I don't know. It's going to take a long time for me to know how I feel about this album. Um, I don't like it right now that I, if I like if I had to make like a top ten, I, I feel like it wouldn't make it for the year. Mm-hmm. But... 
I want to see if I can get there. So yeah, man, Va- Vampire Weekend. This definitely makes me want to listen to it more. Talk, just talking about it. it makes me want to listen to all the albums just talking about it. Yeah, I've been doing a deep dive on Vampire Weekend just because they're. I don't know. Just thinking about them, I'm like, well, they're they're kind of one of my bands. I feel like I grew yeah, grew yeah. up with them, or kind of like went through my twenties with them in a way. And now that I'm thirty, it's it's I don't know. It's weirdly poignant to hear this album where they like feel a little more comfortable and grown up and things. And it's it's confusing. Why do we call it dad rock? Yeah, the dads now. <laughs> the dads now. <laughs> That father of the bride. Yeah, that's it. As your Koenig's, uh kids are getting married now. His mm-hmm. daughter's getting married. In, in the song, <laughs> he's not that old. I don't know. Someday, someday. Uh... Okay, so that's our uh, our deep dive, our our deep dish dive into Vampire yeah. Weekend. I, I kind of like to do this again with another band. It's just hard to find many. Talking about them, I kind of want to do it for the Strokes, but that's like de- I think that would depressing. be fun because I don't know if I heard the last one. Let's see what I know. I was actually just looking through their albums while we were talking about this. Um, I don't remember if I did. Either. So I, I heard, heard it once. I heard "Come Down Machine." Isn't that the last one? I think it is the last one. It is yeah. the last one. Okay, so I have heard them all. Oh man. Come down, well, you know, angles. I, I, I own. I own yeah. a physical copy, <laughs> so I definitely remember that one. I guess. Gosh, there hasn't been that many, man. Yeah. Not as many as I thought. What is that like? We can do five it. albums. It's just too bad. There's not like an anniversary to do it around. Fuck it. I don't give a fuck about that. I also don't give a fuck about Oxford Commas. But if you give a fuck about this podcast, you can find us at mildly pleased. Dot com or go on to iTunes and search Mildly Pleased or search Rock Talk and you can find it. You can also probably Google Rock Talk and, and find it. Uh, it's R-O-K-K. You're either going to find this podcast or that song, Less Talk, More Rock from Guitar Hero or Rock Band or whatever that was in. But we're the second most popular thing, I think, that uses R-O-K-K in the spelling. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, um, that's Rock Talk and uh, we'll see you next time when we're fronting like Angkor Wat. <laughs> back, back, we're back. I used to front like Angkor Wat. Mechanicsburg, Anchorage, Dar es Salaam. We'll own New York with champagne and disco. Tapes from LA slash San Francisco. But actually Oakland and Al Alameda. You girls in Berkeley with a communist reader. Mine was in tune with a boombox and walkman. I was a horrible girl that was back then. Love's love, the wisdom